Good evening and welcome to this week's episode of Time Added On. We're coming straight after the Cardiff game, the Cardiff defeat. Uh, league action back after the break. No change in fortune for Forrest. Obviously, fifth defeat in six games and lost all three at home at the City Ground. The worst start in 118, 118, not yet, 108 years. Um, Tom, surely things are going to get better. It's that bad I've added 10 years. Yeah, um, not, how are you? Yeah, I was going to say, we, if <laughs> this goes on for another 10 years, we really are struggling, aren't we? Uh, oh, dear. At me. least Forrest didn't ruin my weekend until Sunday. Um, so, you know, that's that's one positive. Um, yeah, I think um, obviously we'll come on to it, but I think, you know, um, the most disappointing thing was probably um, it felt like the inevitable um, and just probably we all expected it and it's not nice to um, to know that your predictions are right when you're expecting the worst. I can't remember what our predictions were last week, but uh, I think I might have gone for a win. I can't remember. We, If I did, we weren't right yet. We'll, um, we'll, we'll look at Cardiff. Obviously, we've got a bit of an action-packed episode as always. So, obviously, we're going to look back on, on the Cardiff game today. Um, we're going to look ahead to Borough in midweek at home. It's going to be another difficult game. And obviously, we've, we've been joined as well by Annie Takes That Chance, uh, a Huddersfield podcast, to preview the game next Saturday, which again will prove to be a tricky game, as they all are at the minute, Tom. But should we um, should we kick off and talk about Cardiff? Obviously, we normally have a good 24 hours to mull over the games uh, before we do the pod. Not today. So we're coming into this quite raw still. Um but, I mean, where do we start, really, Tom, with that? I mean, it was a real mixed afternoon for me in terms of positives, negatives, and, and basically where it leaves us now for, for well, certainly this the week ahead, obviously going into what is a busy run of games now throughout September into early October. Um, and really what it means now for the rest of the season and now our kind of hopes and expectations. You know, we talked about that last week with the transfer window. One game after the transfer window shouldn't really change things you know, shouldn't swing it either way too far. But obviously, it does leave us with a lot to ponder. Um, we are bottom of the league. Um, four points from safety, which, you know, is a ridiculous thing to perhaps start talking about only six games in. But you wouldn't want that gap to widen, Tom, would you, any further? You know, we've got to try and keep that at arm's length. Ultimately, you know, the relegation wasn't really on the agenda for this season, um, despite, obviously, the lacklustre affair that we had last year. But it's a worry, isn't it? It is a worry, you, you, and you don't that gap can't continue, or you know, you, you certainly don't want that gap to grow. And, but you know, because you start to look at the league table, what after nine, ten, eleven games, if we're still cut adrift with, after ten, eleven games, then um, yeah, we, it could be a long season. Yeah, I think we all think, don't we, um, that that when you've got those international breaks, especially the first one, maybe two. Um, they're really good opportunities for clubs to kind of, you know, you might have had a bad start, but there might be reason, rhyme or reason for that. Um, you know, it's not out of this world that teams in this league have terrible starts and then end up flying up the table. Vice versa, there's teams that always start really well and end up near the bottom end of the table. Um, so I think obviously the disappointing thing about, about the situation today is that We've, we've come out of the international break, albeit only the one game so far after this international break, but we've come out of the international break fairly looking the same 
um, and having the same issues um, within this one game anyway than we did in the five games before it. Um, so that's the huge disappointment. And it goes back to what I was saying before in the inevitability about it all. Um, and we knew what Cardiff were about, right? We knew uh, the thing with today's game wasn't necessarily about the quality of Cardiff, although they do have it. It was about how Forrest managed the game in the most professional way possible. You know what you're going to get when you're coming up against one of those kind of managers, a Mick McCarthy, a Warnock, and in some cases a Chris Hewton, it should be as well. But that's not being the case. And Forrest didn't manage the 90 minutes good enough at all today. No, they didn't. And 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 that's the really disappointing thing. We, we knew that today, after the international break, and, and confidence being low, we can't get away from the fact that results in the first few games of the season haven't gone right and the team are obviously devoid of all sorts of com- all sort of confidence so it was really important that they, they started well and to be fair I thought Forrest bar the early mistake very early mistake which they proved costly Forrest actually started started off really well and I think for me the the, the two debutants at fullback really made a difference I thought Max Lowe certainly going forward but Spence on the other side was a bit more of a slow burner and t- kind of grew into it well, they definitely got Forrest moving forward and got Forrest on the front foot, and they they offered a, a you know a different dynamic to our attacking play, if you like. And certainly on that left hand side, it was you know it was noticeable that obviously you know Max Lowe and Johnson you know, that could be quite a nice partnership down that left hand side for Forrest if, if they continue to play in the formation the way they are. And I, yeah, as I say, I, I thought Forrest actually started off well. I thought it was a a, a Good game to watch. I think you know you know what you're going to get with Cardiff, as you say. They're they're quite physical. They're not as you know they weren't as, as direct as you potentially would imagine them to be for the first 45, 50, 60 minutes anyway. Um, and Forest Forest started off well, and it you know it was a a, a well worked goal to take the lead. Um, I thought it was a good move, great ball, great pullback from Max Lowe. Good finish from Graben, and you could see at that point what it meant to the team. You know the, the celebrations for the whole squad. Certainly, the manager as well um, enjoyed that one. You could just see that you, you felt like there was a bit of, of a pressure release there. The game wasn't won, obviously, it was only 20 odd minutes in, but you could definitely feel like a little bit of pressure had lifted. You really wanted Forrest then to go on, didn't you, and really take the game to Cardiff, really go and, you know, go and get that second goal, really impose themselves on them. Um, but good, good start nonetheless, to say, good goal. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't as impressed as, as other people may have been. I mean, um, maybe it's because of how bad we've been so far this season, but it still didn't really impress me. I do think the two players that you picked out there and the two debutants in Max Lone and Jed Spence were were it looked positive for me and they added something that we've not really had in the fullback areas at the start of the season. Um, and yeah, it was a well-worked goal in the end. Obviously, the link-up play between Brennan Johnson and Max Lowe and the ball in, you know, was probably one of the things that we've not had so far this season, um, even though actually Bong has contributed a, an assist. Um, but, um, you know, Max Lowe, uh, the ball in was a smart ball. He could have easily got the cross wrong. And we've seen many players do that, not just at Forest in the championship level, maybe go for the standard cross. Sometimes it's that decision-making that Forrest has let Forrest down so far at the start of the season. It was a good ball and a good finish. Probably 
grab him being in the position where he was, although there, there'll be some criticisms in other ways, him playing behind the striker as such actually was probably the reason why he was able to run onto that ball and score the goal, um, even with a small deflection. But as you say, the biggest disappointment and the biggest question mark, as always with Forrest, is right. You are, and this is the problem we've got at the moment, we've not even been really get, been getting ahead in games um, this season so far. But even when you get ahead in a game, you don't have the confidence that they're going to stay ahead in the game because of the way that they might set up and their decision-making after they've gone ahead. And that was always the huge, huge question mark for me. It just felt inevitable that they weren't going to win that game after they went into half-time winning the game. Yeah, there was definitely about... In the first half, there was definitely... You know, Cardiff did cause us trouble without really forcing, you know, too many saves out of Samba. Um but there was a lot of last-ditch tackles. There was bodies on the line. Um, you know, you could see that Cardiff. Were, you know, I said at half time that, that I thought you know, you looked like Cardiff were going to score. But the, the desire there from Forrest to try and keep them out and to, to put blocks in was was second to none. And actually, I know it sounds daft because ultimately we conceded two goals. But I think throughout the ninety, I thought McKenna and Worrell, McKenna in particular, I think stood up and was was superb. Probably up until they brought uh, more on in the second half, which you know always causes Forest problems. But throughout, I, I thought the back four were, were 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 strong. It was just they seemed to kind of lose their way second half, and it was almost a, a, a different game after half time. In reality, it was um, I think obviously Mick McCarthy gave Cardiff a, a bit of a rocket. Um, I don't think he was overly impressed with what, what he saw from Cardiff first half, which again would be tough to disagree with because um, you know they didn't think they were they were brilliant at all. Um, and they they mixed things up, didn't they? They, they? they brought two on, they brought more on, they brought Colwell on, and it just changed the game. And the disappointing thing, I suppose, the worrying thing is Forrest just didn't have an answer. As soon as as soon as Cardiff started to go through the gears. There was no way of being able to change it. It was, you said at the start of this, it was just ultimately it was inevitable that, that the goals were going to come and, and Forrest were going to get on stock. And it was just one way traffic, wasn't it? It's just there was no way Forrest could compete and, and keep up more on Colwell. I mean, they ultimately, that, that, that two changes in the early parts of the second half, that, that completely changed the whole dynamic of the game. Yeah. Uh, I thought you were calling him a moron then. He said moron. I was like, oh, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> bit um, but yeah, like um, it shouldn't be that easy for someone at this level to just collapse like that because of two changes. And no one can say that they didn't know the threat that Kiefer Moore brings to that Cardiff team. Well, there was well. a reason that Wolves wanted him in the in the exactly. winter, right? And they were sniffing around him for £12 million, which is a ridiculous amount of, of, of money. But... Yeah, you definitely. I mean, he has attributes that 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 most teams certainly, well, all teams, I would suggest at our level, would would kill for, and also and in the Premier League as well. You know, there is a time and a place for a key for more in a lot of teams in that kind of mid to lower half of the Premier League. He's an absolute handful. So I think there's no, you know, there's not too much of a criticism, particularly on our centre halves for 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 struggling to deal with him. I actually thought they they did pretty well, and they they mitigated that awful long throw-in, which ultimately cost us the the the, the second goal because obviously we just switched off because they, they played as like a fiddle and therefore went for the short one. But I thought they dealt with most things airily 
well all afternoon. But yeah, you, you know that Cardiff have got in the back pocket. It's about how do you adapt to it when they bring the likes of Moore on? It was just, uh, they just didn't do, <laughs> they just didn't do, he's not a moron, he's great. Um, they just didn't do anything, ultimately. There was, they just, they were just stuck like for like and they just couldn't handle them. Well, no, Forrest started um, playing lots of long balls forward. I mean, you've got La Taylor up front, who's flailing around. And you've got, you know, grabbing, I know people might say, oh, well, he can be a bit of a target man. He's still, you know, we're, we're talking about a very different attacking line up to what Cardiff have in terms of them turning up. You know, have you seen Space Jam? It's like Space Jam before the Looney Tunes characters turn big themselves and they're playing against the big aliens or whatever. Like, Forrest look short and small. And the reason is, is because they're quite, uh, well, in my opinion, as a team, they should be quite a, you know, quick on the ball attacking team. Um, but that's not necessarily the way they went. And they were playing long balls up and they were hardly winning any of them. Um, and, you you know, you're playing against, you're asking Lyle Taylor, Lewis Grab and Brennan Johnson, whoever it was in attack, you're asking them to win long balls up against uh, Morrison and Flint, who are well-experienced, well-oiled, tall, big centre-halves. Um, and how are you making these players battle those for, for a long ball? That just doesn't make any sense. And then there wasn't, you know, we got rid of a manager before Chris Hewton because uh, regardless of your opinion of him, he, he didn't have a plan B. There was no plan B today. There's and there's there's not been a plan B for, for a while. Um, you know, once the stubborn nature of the team is set up the way it is, um, there doesn't seem to be any other answers um or ways of going around things. So um yeah, it was as soon as as soon as those changes were made by Cardiff, um just heads dropped, um, goals were going in. Um and although Cardiff maybe didn't fret in too much after the goals that they scored, I think they were pretty happy and Mick McCarthy was pretty confident that um, they were going to manage the game uh, without any problems. And when you've got the setup uh, that Cardiff have and, you know, the game is being managed the, the way it was by them and they have the confidence in their team to do that, then, yeah, it was always going to be a struggle for Forrest to, to get an equaliser after that. Is there a, a, another element of disappointment in the fact that could the goalkeeper, could Samba have done better for both of those goals? I think for the first one, didn't really make any effort at all to dive. Maybe it's because it happened too quickly for him and or he thought it was going wild. I'm not quite sure. But made no effort for the for the, um, for the the first goal. That kind of just crept in, if you like, at the, um, at the near post. And, and he'll be disappointed with the second goal as well, Ronnie, in terms of the fact he managed to get a hand on it and, and couldn't keep it out. But there was also other elements of Samba's play. And I'm a big, you know, anyone listening to this pod knows I'm a, I'm a huge uh, Bruce Samba fan. Um, but there was a couple of other, uh, you know, issues today, weren't there? Certainly from a, an aerial point of view where there was the one, literally when it was Forrester trying to just keep them out and uh, he, he came to claim a cross and completely... Uh, balls it up and it nearly went in the back of the net, didn't it, as well? So, um, not a great day for, for Samba. Yeah, I think there's been question marks around him since the start of the season, aren't there? And, you know, you never want to kind of drop your number one choice goalkeeper, especially this quickly in a season. 
but he's definitely been been a few question marks around him. And you know, even you know, we spoke about there that in the first half, Cardiff didn't didn't do enough. They didn't threaten enough. Uh, Mick McCarthy probably wasn't very happy with the first half performance. But you know, there was there was always a a concern where you know when Sambury is coming up for things. I think they hit the crossbar, didn't they, in the first half, and he was kind of flapping around and. That's the way I describe his performances so far this season. Flappy, um, you know, if there's a a ball to be won and you, you know you, you need to rely on your goalkeeper to get it, I, I don't rely on Samba to get that. And obviously, that's a bigger problem, you know, if your defenders can't rely on your goalkeeper too much. And obviously, that might just be a confidence thing. But Forest aren't in a position at this moment to have that much sympathy uh, for any player, um, and they have brought in another goalkeeper this summer. Um, in order to threaten him um, and threaten his place and and have a you know a bit of competition there, so I, I was confused really uh, before the international break why he might not have been dropped, um, and I still think there is that question to be looked at again for for the next game and and the one after that until he puts in a performance where he looks like the the samba evolves the samba that we signed in the first place. There should be a constant questioning as to whether it's the right time to bring in the uh, secondary goalkeeper. Any arguments for the changes that Chris Hewton did make? Obviously, we talked about the fact he didn't change shape to deal with the threat that Cardiff have got. He didn't change necessarily the shape in a positive manner to, to try and get back in the game. Obviously, Lolly coming on for Zinconago, Myson coming on for Brennan Johnson, like for like again. Obviously, he'd already had two strikers on the pitch, so you could argue that was as positive as, as we were obviously possibly going to get. Um, but neither of those subs really had an impact. I mean, really hard for, for Alex Myerson, to be honest with you, 10 minutes ago and Forrest really not not threatening at that stage. But Lolly had a couple of flashes, obviously kind of carried the ball forward well, didn't really have kind of the end product though to, to, to match that endeavour. Um, I suppose both of the changes and, and obviously the, the fact that Chris Hewton tried to make an impact He'll be disappointed as well that that neither of those two really had the spark that he he desired. Yeah, yeah, and I felt like um, even though he's obviously made changes in terms of personnel, there wasn't really a change in the approach or the way they went about things. And the game just started dying a death. To be quite honest, that might seem a little bit harsh, but for all of Forest's endeavour, um, you know, there wasn't much that really brought me any confidence that they were going to get back into the game and level up. Um, I felt like the feeling, I wasn't in the stance today, but the way it was coming across on TV, um, you know, the the feeling in the stands was almost the same as it was on the pitch. It felt like this, you know, this game, let's just blow up, it's over. Um, and that's disappointing that you can't, you know, you, your tactics, I don't know what was said at half-time, but the tactics weren't weren't working. Cardiff were always going to come out. Mick McCarthy was always going to change things up. They then uh, manage the game and get ahead. And Forrest don't have an answer. Um, and just never felt like they were going to have an answer. And when you start not having... Your plan A is not working. You don't have a plan B or plan B isn't working um, in any games, uh, in a long run of games now. Um, yeah, it's a difficult situation. It was... Uh, yeah, he'll be disappointed that his subs didn't do what what he would have hoped. But I think we can be even more disappointed that maybe 
there wasn't some smarter changes in terms of not just the personnel, but the way that we approached the game. Yeah, it just huffed and puffed, didn't they? They huffed and puffed, and there was a, a, a few long-range efforts, but nothing that you really thought was going to trouble Cardiff with any kind of... Uh, yeah, any great deal. And I suppose, yeah, that, that is the disappointment. I mean, I don't think we ever really thought that we were going to score. I think as a, as a, as fans, obviously you always, you always have, you always hope that obviously there's a way back into it. Never expected that today from Forrest. It, it just seemed, as we've said, is that as soon as that first goal went in, let alone the second, but as soon as the first goal went in, confidence just zapped from them. And it was almost a case of here we go again. And th- they toiled with it. Taylor wasn't really getting much service, wasn't really getting any joy up, up top. Graben kind of just fizzled, fizzled out of the game. Um, thought he had a, played a good role in the first half, fizzled out in the second half. Neither of the changes really did made any impact whatsoever, certainly uh, you know, trying to get Forrest back into the game. So all around, it, it, it just felt flat, you know, towards even, even when you're in stoppage time, you're a goal behind, you'd normally have the crowd willing you on and giving you that buzz. I think there's almost, you know, apathy has almost set in. And I think that's probably one of the most alarming things at the minute. It's almost a case of, well, here we go again, right? It's uh, it's the annual um, it's the annual free fraud, if you like, and and whether the the manager changes or not, it feels like we're in this constant spiral of uh, of, of change, and we've got no consistency. And we've talked on the pod loads, and obviously I've mentioned it, you know, on this pod and on Twitter as well. You know, we, we strive, we want consistency, we want continuity we don't want to have this frequent change because it's no good for anyone but whether that be in the in the playing staff or in the manager we just want a team that we can be proud of we want a manager that we can be proud of that we've got an identity as a football club and Forest will never get that if they consistently chop and change and and and, and move the goalposts but at the minute what we're seeing on the pitch is is just not working is it Tommy it's not worked I think the writing's been on the wall for for a number of games now in this season. And it feels to me that it's just Groundhog Day. And we know what you're going to get with Cardiff. You know, we've been Mick McCarthy today. We'll be Neil Warnock on Wednesday again. You know what Middlesbrough are going to bring to the party. And just very, very kind of workman-like championship size. This championship isn't anything to be afraid of. You know, there's a handful of teams at the top with parachute payments or who came down from the Premier League who are obviously very, very good. And have got resources that are kind of well beyond a lot of our means for for, for for most clubs in the championship. And they should be in that top three or four who've been the division this year. The rest of us, it's pretty average. And we're getting done. I don't think Cardiff for anything special today. They've just got a very useful couple of assets, uh, and especially Keith Moore, as we've touched on, that, that just caused Forest problems and Forest had no answers. But they were not a great side. And we've been done quite a few times this season by you know, good, but kind of good to average championship teams. And that that's the problem, isn't it? We're not getting absolutely hammered by these teams, but we just don't seem to have any sort of answer back into games or to really take the games to the opposition. No. And um, I think the team probably isn't as good as we would have wanted it to have been at this stage of the season. Um, even though we've just signed 10 players in the window, um, it's not as good as we would have wanted it to have been. Obviously, it's been a bit of a cost-cutting exercise. We've already said on the pod a few times, haven't we, that really the Dane Murphy transition period will probably take a few windows at least. Um, so that's completely understandable. I'm just not sure the team is as bad 
as as the results that they're getting at this moment in time. And it's probably not really just the results, it's the performances to boot. Um, I just, you know, it goes back to, to what we've said before, you know, once you lose the fans as a manager, um, especially at Forest, I think, but at every football club, um, it, it's hard to come back from that. And I think we've got to a point where we're now going into games expecting to lose um, in a league which we've already described as being weaker than than most previous seasons that have gone past in the Championship. So, you know... There, well, that's a lot the thing, of- Tom, is it? Let's not beat around the bush. We're only six games in. League table doesn't really come into its own if you sit at the top. Doesn't really come into its own until 10, 11, maybe even 12 games in. Let's push it. Let's just keep pushing it out. Um, but we are sat rock bottom after six games. We've got one point. That's just not good enough, is it? And no matter where, you know, whether that league table, you know, isn't where we've got one point out of six in an average championship. Um, it's, it, it, it's, it's just cl- it's clearly not good enough. From a, from a group of players, I, I agree with you. And I think there's lots of people commenting on Twitter, lots of people from, from as outsiders, other championship clubs that look at the Forest squad and go, it's not a bad squad. Don't get me wrong. Let's not get carried away of ourselves. You know, it's not going to be challenging. It's not going to be kind of even probably where I hoped we would be, at, you know, at the start of the season towards that kind of topper echelons of mid-table. But it is not a bad championship side. And I just, we're not getting, you know, you need a manager to, you know, to get the best out of the players at his disposal. And that is just clearly not happening, is it? If Chris Hewton stays in this role and the feel, the general feeling and the demeanour around the club remains as it is, then that, that, you just can't see a way, you just can't see a way of Boris putting a run together, can you? Yeah, no, it'd be a huge concern. I think if everything goes, you know, the way that it is, and the unfortunate thing is, is that the feeling around the club is probably one of the worst that it's been for a while. Um, then, yeah, that the Forest are going to face the the consequences, which will be that they'll be in trouble by the end of this season. I think, you know, personally, um, my honest opinion is, is that I think Forest will have a similar season to last season. Um, and I think that will include a, a change of manager at some point. Um, and I think they will pick up the team and get a few results. Uh, but ultimately, it might become slightly difficult or slightly stale again. Um, that's the way I see it going. In the current current shape and situation as a football club, Forest are going to have to ask themselves loads of questions. One of those questions will be, you know, they have to wonder whether the performance today and the result today is enough for to warrant the manager to leave or to get sacked. Um, is it going to take another one, two, three games? How many is that? They've given him the international break. Um so they must have still had doubts about him leaving um, and there must still be people at that board who support him. So, you know, look, they'll only know the rationale and the thinking behind when this decision comes, if it does, um, if the, you know, if, if they don't turn it around in the next couple of games or not. But Forrest have got to start asking those questions because otherwise, yes, it will be a very, very difficult season, more difficult than last season. I wonder where Forrest can afford to sack him. There's obviously, you know, I imagine Chris Hughton is on a decent contract. We we like we 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 are probably still paying off numerous managers. Um, 
with various settlements. Chris Hewton obviously has come with a decent staff as well. I mean, could that play into a factor? I mean, look, let's be honest, the cost of relegation versus the cost of paying off a manager, um, the damage that would do to a football club. And we have to be, you know, we are, we are early on in the season, so not for one minute suggesting that, that Forest will go, ultimately go down. But it has to be a concern uh, just at the trend, let's say, over the back end of that season and the early parts of this season. Um, but could it be a financial p- point of view as well, Tom, in terms of not wanting to pay another manager off? Maybe. Maybe, yeah, that is a possibility. Um, but then, as a football club, you have to start asking that that question, don't you, about whether the cost of getting rid of him, you know, we're saying they can't afford it, but uh, there's a, where, where there's a will, there's a way. You know, can Forrest afford to get relegated? Uh, I highly doubt that. So, you know, we're saying, can they not afford, you know, they might not be able to afford to get rid of him. The inevitability would be that someone would have to then depart the, the playing squad potentially in January. Um, that that would have to happen. If, if things got dire, then you can't afford not to change the manager and at least roll the dice on... Mm. on and we're talking at extreme lengths at this moment in time, aren't we? I mean, it is six games in. Things are pretty rubbish. Um, and, you know, we're struggling to see where that change is going to come from. I don't think Forrest will not be able to afford to sack him, if you get what I mean. If, yeah. if it got if to If it that continued point, in this way, then that decision would have to be made. I mean, It would be out of their hands, regardless of financial fair play. If that does come into financial fair play costings, I'm, I'm not sure. But the simple matter of the fact is, is that they wouldn't be able not to be not to afford to be able to sack him. That's just if we're getting to that point um, where it's make or break decision like that, they just wouldn't be able to to not do it. I just couldn't see what their thinking would be if just to go with him and and face the cost of getting relegated. It just wouldn't make any sense. I think look, let's let's play devil's advocate and let's flip it because I think both of us are on this pod. Are, I think we're both in, in agreement that the time is right for Chris Hughes to step aside. Well, there are others out there that believe he still deserves time. And obviously, I was still in that camp up until a couple of weeks ago. Um, but, you know, as a football club, we we obviously, and we've just mentioned it, we just, you know, we constantly talk about needing to strive for uh, consistency. And we don't want to be sacking managers every two minutes. I don't think anyone wants that, right? No one really enjoys it. It's, you know, it's just Forrest have got themselves into this repetitive cycle. But... Is there a potential hangover for the current board and the and the new CEO, but obviously still lumbered with the, the you know the recent history of Forest that that they're reluctant to to sack him purely because there is a want there. They they want to right their wrongs. They want to try and build a a, a project, and you know they want to give someone time. Ultimately, is there an argument there to say that that's almost in the back of their minds as well, which is obviously delaying this factor? And in reality, you know, it might just be that Chris Hewson at this moment in time isn't the right man for Nottingham Forest, but there will always be that that in the back of their minds, I suppose, that that, that could be a, a, a factor in their decision-making process, that, that people want continuity, that they hope that potentially one win might, bring on a, a, a string of wins, as much as unlikely as that might be at this stage, there will always be that hope, I suppose. Um, but previous previous mistakes and previous history could be way, could be playing on their minds as such as well. Oh, I think it definitely is. 
they're getting constantly bombarded with people and we all know that Forrest do keep an eye on the media side of things and they're getting constantly highlighted. The the first statement that was made when the club was taken over, people highlighting about longevity and this promise and, and that promise. Um, so undoubtedly there, I reckon there is probably a bit of a trying to right some wrongs. Unfortunately, making... Unfortunately, you know, when people take over a club or become a CEO or chairman or whatever, promises are made. And the truth of the matter is, is that a lot of the time they're not always kept. Um, And as you know, if you back yourself, then you have to back yourself that you've made those right decisions in the past and will continue to make those right decisions. Um, Just because of a statement doesn't mean that making another bad decision and then just trying to Uh, go ahead with your initial statement when the time is wrong to go ahead with that initial statement. There's managers before that should have had longer time. We know that. They've been and gone. They've now got a manager and they've got to make a decision and being stubborn about your initial statement because everyone's prodding you with a big stick over it um, is not the right thing to do. But undoubtedly, that is probably something that's playing in their mind. There's other things in their statement that they'd made when they took over um, that they definitely need to be taking a look at. When it comes to playing staff and managers, we knew that the longevity thing was always going to be a, a lot of talk, but not necessarily the case because that is football, right? But um, now's not the time to be playing the moral high ground over over initial promises. Now's the time to start looking at how to build this club back up again um, after what has probably been a disappointing start for everyone. Um, in terms of the way that this has worked out so far. Right, let's leave it there. I think it could be an interesting few days ahead from a, from a, a Forest and a Chris Hewton point of view. Let's, let's turn it back to, to, to matters on the pitch and, and football as well. And it doesn't get any easier this time next week. Let's be honest, we, we've touched on it already. We've obviously got Middlesbrough at the City Ground on Wednesday night. Welcome, Neil Warnock. We always know it's going to be a tough test against Neil Warnock's sides. Bora, I think, probably went into this season with high hopes because of the Warnock factor, because of his previous experience in the league. And, you know, he knows how to get teams winning and he knows how to get teams challenging at the top end of the table. They're probably fair to say, Tom, Bora low par so far this season. Lost 2 another away at Coventry this weekend. Prior to that, away from home, draws at Fulham. That's quite a decent result, to be honest with you. A draw at Derby. Um it's going to be it's going to be an interesting game this one, Tom, isn't it? Yeah, and I think you know I predicted them to be one of my three teams that I thought were going to get promoted. I thought their recruitment was was brilliant, um, and you know you know what you're going to get with the Neil Warnock side. Um, there's probably been a bit of frustration from their end in terms of how the start of their seasons worked out. Um, obviously, not to the level of ours, but um, there's there's been a little bit of frustration there. You're spot on in terms of you know what you're going to get. And this is going to be another battle. It's going to be another game that needs to be managed the right way. Um, and if Forrest, you know, perform the way that they did in the second half today, then it becomes another inevitability. But they know they should know what to expect, just like they should have known what to expect today. Um, so it will be interesting. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be a slog. Um, it's going to be everything that we would usually expect from from a Neil Warnock side. Really give us a prediction for this one, Tom. <laughs> Got to win, haven't they? Short <laughs> four defeats in a row at the City Ground is not worth thinking about, is it? No, I think they. Um, 
you might be surprised. I think they might be able to get a point. Um, I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Um, I think it'll be one of those midweek night games where you'll get people on Twitter asking why they bothered turning up. We better bloody win this one. I can't even think about losing this one. Uh, that'll be a very grim trip back home for a Wednesday night defeat to Middlesbrough. I'm actually going to surprise you. As negative as I've been on this pod tonight, they've got to nick a win at some point. A win has got to call. I've got nothing else to believe it on, bar the law of averages. So I'm actually going to go for a very nervy, scrappy Forest 1-0. We're delighted to have Josh from... And he takes that chance pod on to talk about, obviously, Huddersfield next week. Um, how are you, Josh? How uh, How's your weekend been, mate? I'm very well, thank you, mate. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, just been a quiet one, doing a bit of work from home. But, um, yeah, so I watched the town game on Saturday. That uh, didn't cheer me up. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's been all right. Yeah, we were just saying, weren't we, before we started? Obviously, it's not been the best weekend for, for both of us, really. Obviously, we've... Uh, we got tonked today by Cardiff. And yeah, I mean, let's talk about Stoke yesterday. Difficult defeat at Stoke. I mean, we've got to mention the own goal as well. It's um, mm. I only saw it this afternoon. I, I will profess, I, I thought I'd have a quick look, obviously, with, with having you on the pod. Um, go on, talk us through that. It was, uh... oh, yeah, really, really frustrating. Um, we've actually got history of scoring comedy on goals at Stoke. Um, the last one we scored was by uh, Janino Bakuna which was nearly from the halfway line. So if you haven't seen that, check that one out. Um, but, but yeah, um, well, as I say, I was working from home, so I was watching the game on the on the laptop and uh, I was just watching the, the replay of the goal because I'd switched away and then switched back on. And then by the time I'd finished watching the replay of the goal, I pressed back to live time and it was one all. So it's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, not not the best. Bit, very frustrating game for us because I thought we'd, maybe did enough to get a point we weren't great um stoke pressed us high um and we uh, flapped at times um our control of the ball um, wasn't the best uh the, the passing was too wayward we gave it away too many times um but having said that you know you, to go one nil up in the second half away from home you should be at least getting a point um and it's frustrating because we were doing one a nice little run we'd won uh, three three in a row in the league before that game so it's taken the wind out of our sails a bit, but um, it wasn't it wasn't a terrible performance, and we're still, you know, at this stage stage of the season, we're you'd have to say we're pretty happy with where we're at so far. Well, I was going to say that, yeah. I mean, Stoke Stoke is a, I mean, it's an awful place, awful place to go to. I mean that in the nicest <laughs> respect, obviously, to Stoke, but it's a difficult, <laughs> it is a difficult away trip. Obviously, we we played them earlier in the season, and uh, well, no shock, obviously, we, we got beat there as well, but. And um, mm. they're, they're doing well. I mean, I was going to say, like you guys, really, I mean, were you ninth, 10 points after six games? Um, that's a pretty, I mean, you've got to be happy with that start, um, mm. given obviously last season as well. I mean, it gives you a platform to build on, really. Yeah. Well, yes, it's a funny one because at the start of the season, I was joining in with the, the Doom and Gloom merchants. Um, we've got quite a few um, saying that we're going to get relegated. And, you know, it wasn't. It wouldn't have been uh, that big a shock if we were down there. But I've, from what I've seen so far this season, um, I, I think we're not a bad side, really. I think we've got some good players. Um, we've had a good transfer window. Um, we're looking a lot more solid uh, defensively than last season. <clears throat> and um, we've unearthed the gem in Sorba Thomas. Uh, so he's another attacking threat for us. So I think uh, the start of the season talk was probably a bit too downbeat. 
but then obviously you win three in a row and everyone gets carried away saying, you know, it's like 2017 all over again. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, but touch on Stoke, uh, no, no offence to any Stoke fans uh, listening, but they really didn't impress me. And that's why I'm frustrated that we didn't get something um, that, you know, they weren't, I know they're pretty high on the table after that result, but I, I, don't, I don't think they're, uh, you know, I, I'd be shocked if they're in the, the top six come the end of the season based on uh, yesterday's game. But um, yeah, pretty happy with where we're at so far, but yeah, it's still very early days. And uh, last year we had a pretty good first half of the season as well. So um, yeah, we'll see where we are uh, come the end of the season this time around. It's not a great. I don't know. Great to get your thoughts. Here. It's not a great championship. Mm. I don't think this season. In terms of you, obviously, I think we we've taken the cop out view in terms of the the teams likely to go up or the or the teams to come back down. I suppose the one that hasn't started that well, who we, who we predicted or, or I predicted certainly out of two of us to to do well was Sheffield United. Obviously, they got their first win of the season yesterday. But you know, West Brom are going to be up there. Bournemouth obviously were down last season, but but they started really well. Um, it's those type of sides that have come down with the parachute payments, or have still got the kind of the lag of the parachute payments that you think are going to do well. Outside of those kind of handful of clubs, it's a pretty average championship this season. I think it, it, it's definitely there for the taking, isn't it? If, if a club or a team can put a run of results together and get it right, it's, um, it's wide open. I think for maybe the playoffs more so than kind of the top two places. Yeah, I completely agree. Um... Well, apart from the fact they lost to Blackpool yesterday, I, I, I thought Fulham were going to run away with the league. But yeah, I think I still think that'll be a blip and um, it won't happen too often, those kind of results. So I'm, I'm expecting Fulham and West Brom to be top two. Um, I'd be surprised if they're not. And then, as you say, it's pretty much anyone's in the playoffs. I think, you know, the, the side you face today, Cardiff, they, they jump out at me. It seems like the kind of division this year, the championship, where a team like uh, you know a well-drilled Mick McCarthy side can just go out uh, throughout the season and keep picking up points, and that'll be enough to get them in the playoffs. And then, as as we know, once we're in the playoffs, uh, anything can happen. So, yeah, completely agree. I think there's um, a chance there for an outsider as well to um, to come out of the pack like Barnsley did last year. I could I could see something like that happening. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's good to be um you know a fan of uh, the team in the championship this year because it, it does feel like it's it's quite wide open. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, let, let's on that in terms of kind of taking your chance and storming. I mean, let's talk about the the season you you guys got. Let's let's dwell on that for a minute in terms of what was that season like for, for Huddersfield the year that you went up through the playoffs. And obviously, we we, we kind of. We've, we've kind of reminisced a little bit on that a little bit in the past, obviously, when we had Heffler and obviously Hef, mm. Hef liked to talk about it an awful lot in terms of that season. But just just talk us through it. I mean, how good was that season to be a Huddersfield Town fan? Oh, it was, it was amazing. It was The stars aligned and just everything came together at the same time. And you just sort of had a feeling the way certain results went in games. I remember, um, for example, we were two all home to Preston and... Um, we had a penalty in last minute, which was saved, and then we scored the rebound. Um, the, oh, the roof came off the ground that night. Um, but yeah, you can you can tell like the the, the feel good factor was there from the first game of the season, which we also won in last minute. Uh, to be honest, a lot of the games were won by like one goal. We weren't an amazing side by any means, but um, we had such a good togetherness, and uh, there was such like a good feeling at the club. Everyone was uh, firing in the same direction. 
um, and that continued into the Premier League and then obviously it's un- unravelled a bit and I think we're still suffering as a club, to be honest, mm. a little bit still uh, from that, that second season of the Premier League, which was a disaster and, uh, you know, when, when you're losing every week, it's hard to get out of that and I think we'd maybe only just coming out of that sort of mentality of, um, you know, losing mentality really and uh, so that's why I think this season it's important for us more than anything to finish with a, a positive goal difference because even when we got promoted, we didn't manage that. So um, I think that's the aim for this season is to, uh, you know, be mid-table and have a positive goal difference would be um, would be very nice because we've not had one for, God, like 15 years or something like that. I think you're you're an interesting one, aren't you? I think like, uh, like a lot of the teams that kind of come down, um, obviously there's that immediate need or or desire to go straight back up to the Premier League because of the parachute payments and a lot of the clubs actually end up having a bit of a transition period. Um I think you're a club that have gone through I mean obviously you know even before that season you might not have expected to have gone up to the Premier League before that oh, season anyway. No. But yeah. but obviously since then you've gone through a bit of a bit of a transition. I think almost in a way what you were saying about before in terms of us saying the the championship will be probably a lot less competitive this year or certainly the quality of the league is is seemingly a lot lower. Um, I think the thing that might benefit you, even though I'm not going to lie, Josh, I can't sit here and just compliment you because I did put predicted you for my bottom three at the start of the season, but you're making me look like a mug already. So, um, <laughs> no, it's still time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think one of the things that might benefit you is the fact that actually you've gone through a bit of that transition period last season with a Corboran and um, obviously pre-new-look squad and a new-look way of doing things um, might have done you a bit of bit of good in terms of coming into a season which looks like it might be um, less competitive. As I said, you might have already gone through the, the hard work and now it might be a good opportunity for you guys to kind of cement yourselves as and, and have a bit of that consistency that obviously you probably well know that was at Forest uh, desperate for a bit of uh, consistency and, and positivity around the club. Yeah, well, well, when you come down, um, obviously you talked about as a team that's going to finish it, you know, sort of in the playoffs or around the playoffs. Um, but the way we came down and also the change of ownership of the club, that's mm. played a massive part in our last three, last two or three seasons. Um, so that the chairman uh, sold the club and he's um, decided rightly or wrongly to uh, take his money back out that he invested in. Um, and you know most teams that have come down don't face that challenge. So uh, the parachute payments were made pretty much irrelevant for us. Um, and also another factor is that we had a lot of the players we bought in Premier League on on high wages for Huddersfield um, were some of our poorest, to be honest. Um, and we've only just now got rid of all of those. So it's taken all that time to get rid of a lot of players that you know a lot of them didn't want to be here. And we're paying a lot for them to be here, so it feels like I can. It does feel like the mood's changing a little bit. Um, the fans are getting back on board to a certain extent with, um, you know, understanding the challenges the club faces. Um, because, as I say, for a, when you when you come down, you want to go straight back up or at least be competitive. And I think that's what was the big frustration for Huddersfield fans um, for the last couple of years. Uh, when we did go up, we weren't expecting to be, you know, to become an established Premier League side. But we thought, you know, when we do come down, we'll be uh, better equipped to challenge these uh, top sides. Um, so it's been very disappointing to see us, you know, pretty much go back to where we were before all that happened. It, it feels like in some ways it never happened at all, um, the success we had. But 
Um, this season does feel a bit more like the the old town sort of mentality is coming back and the fans aren't expecting to be... Um, the, the fans' expectations have come down, um, which I think the players feel a bit more... A bit less pressure, um, and I think yeah, sometimes that that's a good thing. I mean, with with us, I mean, you could argue that's probably one of the constant um, issues. I suppose is that constant mm-hmm. um, expectation to be right up there, even though we've been yeah. in the championship now for, and even obviously footed in League One for a little bit um, yes. for for ages, so long mm-hmm. now. Well, I suppose um, the, the expectation should be aligned to where your club sits and um, wage expenditure. That's that's normally mm. a good indicator of where you should be. I don't, I'm not sure what your, uh, where you would sit in that table. Would you be? Probably too high. high. We'd, be, we'd be up there. I think we'd be in the top six, yeah. potentially maybe. Yeah. Well, well may, maybe not basis, now, but yeah. On that basis then, I think, you know, the fans are entitled to want a top six team. If, you, if you've got the, the players, um, you know, wage bill to show for it, then, uh, you should be expecting that. Whereas we didn't have that. Um, even when we came down, we weren't. We were probably too high, as you as you say. Probably for what we had on the field, we weren't um, showing that wage bill. But normally, that's a good indicator of, of where you should be. I know it doesn't always work out like that. But... We know about your expensive flops. We took Dear Carby, and that was. <laughs> I was bad dying enough. to mention God. Dear Carby when you were talking, oh. Josh. But I, thought I couldn't. Inter- I couldn't upset you and interrupt oh. your flow. But yeah, yeah any let's... any club that pays that much money for Dear Carby wants shooting. Yeah, well, I was always taught if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything. Nice. <laughs> Do we move on? Because I really yeah, want we'll to move you, on. I really want to ask you about because I think it's probably seen by many as a as a bit of a brave choice and maybe a bit of a maverick choice last summer. But obviously, as you said, when you got relegated, it took a little bit of time to to find your feet, even within the Premier League, from a managerial point of view. Um, mm. Probably a couple of mishaps happened there. Obviously, you went through the Cowleys as well, um, which seemed like a great choice on the face of it. Um, at, at that time, Carlos Corbran was a really interesting choice from the outside, and obviously, I remember that game. You know, we talked about the Forest game last year, um, and obviously, talked about you know, it was really interesting because I, I remember then he was adapting, and he, you know, even we weren't at the game, we just watched it on the telly. But he's a bit of a jack in the box character, he seemed to be on the touchline. Um, right. Obviously, high hopes when he came in, obviously, with his Leeds connections. Um, Seemed to obviously struggle a little bit to maybe adapt and obviously get to grips with kind of being in the hot seat for the first full year in charge. Um, what's your thoughts in now? It seems like you know, seems like a, a good fit on paper now. Well, he was under huge pressure back end of last season, um, particularly as it looked like at one point we were heading for a uh, you know relegation to be honest, but we managed to just claw a few more points. Um, our good start uh, to the season kept us up. Last year, to be honest, um, but uh, I was, to be honest, I was one of the people questioning him uh, a lot <laughs> last season. I wouldn't have been surprised if we uh, pulled the trigger in the summer, but you know, fair play to him. He's he stuck to his guns, and uh, last couple of weeks um, we've played some really good football again. Start of this season was basically a continuation of last. Um, so we struggled to a point at Derby on the opening day. And then we got battered by Fulham, and you know people were really calling for him to be gone after that game. And then we we played Preston at home, and it was absolutely dreadful. It was my first game back in the ground, and it was <laughs> terrible. And we nicked it one nil. And since then, um, the team seems to have really kicked on under him, and we're looking um, 
a lot more solid than last year, and he looks like he's he's learned some lessons. Yeah, which you know, to be honest, the, the season the way it was last year with no fans is probably ideal for you know a new manager in the championship. Probably got a bit more time than he would have if there was uh, fans in the ground. I think, uh, but you know, so far so good this season. He looks, he looks to have. Um, he's quite tactically astute. Uh, his formation choices and normally pretty sound. Uh, he, he do, he's not afraid to change it, uh, formation or personnel-wise during the game. Um, and I think he's got better tools to work with this year. So certainly a case of no more excuses. And he's got he's not got much um, credit in the bank, so to speak. But he's on he's on the way to building a bit of that credit. Um, with the start to the season, um, and I'm, I'm certainly he's changed my mind, and I think he's uh, he's worth um, sticking with, and I think he could he could be a success here. But as you say, it's early days. Uh, but yeah, the, sign, the signs are good from him so far. Let's um, let's obviously cast one eye to next weekend. Then obviously we we we've both got midweek games as well before then. But just give us a flavour there. I mean, what are your what are your biggest strengths as a team? Who, who are the ones to watch from a Huddersfield Town point of view, who do we need to be wary of going into the game? Uh, well, the obvious one to mention is um, the Championship Player of the Month, Sorba Thomas. Um, he's come from non. He signed from Boreham Wood in January. Um, didn't really play that much um, in the second half of last season, <clears throat> but he's he's been given a chance. Um, I don't think he was actually due to start the opening game at Derby, but um, I think due to we oh we had a COVID outbreak. That was it, and he's come in. And he's taken his well to say he's taken his chance would be an understatement. He's been our best player by an absolute mile. Um, I think if, if you look at his stats, his his key pass statistics and his assists and oh his his, his dead ball delivery is absolutely superb. Um, so basically, I don't give any free kicks away. I would suggest, uh, <laughs> yeah, because he he's got such good delivery. It's it's unreal. And then he, on the end of that, you got Matty Pearson, who's very good in the air from set pieces. So yeah, that that would be my advice <laughs> to Chris Hewitt or you know whoever, whoever it might be. Exactly, yeah. who knows? Yeah. That's the question. Yeah. So yeah. so him, you got him, and then um, Lewis O'Brien in midfield. He's he's a personal favourite of mine. Did um, well Leeds to keep did. hold of him in the summer. Absolutely, yeah. Leeds came in with four bids apparently, um, which were rejected. I think it was more the structure of the deal which couldn't be agreed. I think the price wasn't. They either hit the number or they weren't far off, but I think it was uh, subject to a number of things happening, you know, the clause and stuff like that, which wasn't right for us. But yeah, he looks like he's going to sign a new contract. Um, I know contracts don't mean anything, but it's better than him uh, kicking up a fuss to leave, which yeah, he's absolutely he's not, he's not going to do that. He's he's not that kind of guy. Yeah, he's a driving force in midfield. He's got such a great engine on him. Um, yeah, he gets about people. Uh, yes, yeah, so you can't have uh, too much time in the in the midfield area, he, 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 won't, he won't allow it. And then on the other side, we've got uh, Harry Toffolo, he's a left wing back. He likes to bomb on forward. Um, he's been a little bit quiet at the start of the season. Oh, he did score on Saturday saying that, but um, still, he had COVID, so he's still coming round to his uh, full capabilities. But when he's when he's fit, uh, he, he flies down that left wing and he's he's one of our real threats. So, so yeah, they're, they're the three, I'd say, Thomas, O'Brien and Toffolo. Brilliant. Right, give us a score prediction. I'm, I'm dreading this part to be. We we ask this every week, and uh, mm. everyone's always pretty confident when we come to town, so, which is obviously fair enough at the minute. So, give us a score prediction for the match. Well, we'll have to go on the basis of 
Hewton being the manager and you continuing this, you know, the way you're playing, uh, I think, well, it depends on your result midweek as well. But I, if you lose that or draw that, then I'd say we could probably nick it 2-1. But I'm not I'm not massively confident. But, um, yeah, you're a bit of an unknown at the moment. I, I, ask me again next week. <laughs> not, not on Sunday, not on Tuesday. We'll, um... We'll send you a message on Friday before and see if you change your yeah. mind, depending on what happens okay, in the next right, few I'll days. Go, I think I'll go 2-1 now, but then it might change. <laughs> it might, dear. I think we could be in for, as always, the soap opera that is not in for us. We could be in for quite an interesting five or six days. So, yeah, that's probably yeah. fair. Um, I think if I had to get, call it now, yeah, I'd probably I'd probably go to Neil Huddersfield. I, I just... Uh, that's proper miserable, actually. If you listen to it, you probably haven't, but I'm normally the positive one, Tom is normally the negative one, but at the minute, oh. I, I literally cannot see. Uh, we had eight touches in the Cardiff box today, which is uh, pretty impressive all game. We just we don't score, we don't create that many chances, I think, away from home. Yeah. If we um, if we still got Middlesbrough at home midweek, we've been McCarthy today, we're blatantly going to be Warnock's on Wednesday. It, uh, if nothing changes, yeah, I think this will be a really tough game for us. And um, not got a great record, I don't think, at your place. So, no. uh, yeah, I'm going to go for a 2-0, unfortunately. Yeah. But it can all change around. You could, you know, could do. midweek and then, yeah. Tom, give me some positivity. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's obviously difficult. Um, we don't know what's going to happen to Mr Chris Hewton. We obviously don't know uh, what the crack's going to be in terms of potentially getting Warnocked on uh, on Wednesday. Um, huh. I'm probably I, I was thinking 2-0 Huddersfield I'm going to go 1-0 Huddersfield just to mix That's it positive. up positive yeah, I'll that a little bit more positive than you yeah still still a defeat I think um, you know it'd be interesting to see whether this result against Stoke you know it, obviously Huddersfield have been in decent form coming up to that whether that will change anything I mean Stoke are doing fairly well at the start of the season regardless of performances um, but yeah I'll go go 1-0 Huddersfield Brilliant. We're all we're all clean sweep. Um, Josh, thank you very much for coming on, mate. Really appreciate that. Really enjoyed it. Um, it'd be great if we could do it again later on in the season as well for um, for the return fixture. But all the Definitely. all the best. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it's a good game. Let's just say that. So, yeah. Well, wishing you guys all the best. Um, I always I always had a little soft spot for Forest. I had a, I had a shirt when I was a kid. Um, oh, there so you go. I, some of my family members uh, spot Forest. I'd, it was a pinnacle. That's uh, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it's That's going back it. quite a long way, but yeah, I don't like to see you guys struggle. Um, so yeah, good luck for the rest of the season, apart from uh, next Saturday. Brilliant, cheers, Josh. Perfect. Well, that's it. That's it for another uh week's episode of Time Added On. Um, as always, if you want to get in contact with us, you can email us at timeaddedonpod at outlook.com or you can give us a follow on Twitter at timeaddedonpod or give us a, a bit of a read of our blog. Uh, which is time added on pod.wixsite.com forward slash home. See you next weekend, guys. You reds. <laughs>